Chapter Twenty Two of Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two, and behold, they were engaged. Norman Eastlake was my daughter Laura's intended husband. You can readily see how her father's announcement enlightened me. In a moment, I saw it all the poor child's sensitive attempt to think that what her friend did must be right though at variance with all her previous views and teachings and her determination to sustain him and argue him out of the inconsistency i could understand how mrs smith's extreme action had wrought upon her nerves with its irritating question as to why that ignorant old woman should be able to reach conclusions of right and wrong that norman with all his culture and logical education had failed to see of course he was right and mrs solomon wrong it should be so as soon as i understood my poor child i was sorry for her though I cannot say that I was greatly astonished at Norman's course. The truth is that, could I have had things just as I would, Norman Eastlake was not the man whom I should have chosen for my son-in-law. I had never meant that he should occupy such a position. It had been a boy and girl friendship not so very strongly marked. They liked to walk from school together, and were rivals in rhetoric and algebra, friendly rivals always i thought that their interest in each other was nothing more than the natural result of belonging to the same classes and being interested in the same pursuits when norman went to college i had been foolish enough to consent carelessly to their interchange of friendly letters her father had shook his head and asked me if i thought it wise but I had only laughed and assured him that Laura was just a gay child and would correspond with him as joyously and as innocently as she would with her brother if she had one. And I remember that I added that Norman was a sentimental boy who thought it would be a fine thing to get letters regularly from a pretty girl. It would give him a sense of manliness, which secretly I thought he needed. So the years passed on, and before I fully realized that Laura had forever laid aside her doll and romped with her kitten no more, she came to me one day with glowing cheeks and speaking eyes and a letter to show me, a special letter. She had always showed them to me, and they had been gay and careless enough, but this one was written after Laura had been spending a month with an aunt in the same town where Norman was at school, and behold, they were engaged." Norman had taken everything in his free and easy fashion. They will be expecting it, he had said to Laura. Of course your father and mother knew the end of all these things. They have as good as given their consent already. We need not trouble to be very formal. Had we? Yes, I thought it all over afterwards, many a time afterwards. Norman was right we had allowed things to drift exactly as though we had expected they would go down just the channel that they had and yet i never expected it never meant it would have given much very much to have taken it all back i had simply made the mistake that i think many mothers are making now that of calling two young things children and letting them play on together long after the childishness had been in a sense laid aside, 
and they were playing at man and woman without recognizing it as play well what objection had we to norman eastlake we asked each other the question her father and i he looking with troubled face into the coals staring straight before him all that hour and never by word or look hinting to me that hateful i told you so yet do you think i forgot that he had oh there were many objections norman was of good family yes was he a good-hearted well-intentioned fellow yes was he a fair scholar and would be likely to succeed fairly well in his profession yes was he rich yes unhesitatingly i answered all these questions to my heart in the affirmative and yet i did not want him for laura's husband well did i want anybody no i didn't i recognized that as in part the trouble laura was a child yet ought to have been i resented her being defrauded of her fresh young girlhood and being pushed thus early into the responsibilities of life why couldn't they at least have been content to remain boy and girl friends for a few years why must norman suddenly go to imagining himself a man norman is a christian asked laura's father at last hesitatingly with a curious upward inflection in his voice i answered the questioning sentence with another is he why mary you know he has been a professor of religion ever since he was a little fellow i know it i said and if laura had heard me i suppose she would have resented the dreariness of my tone but therein lay one of my troubles norman was by no means the sort of christian that i thought he ought to be he was simply a free-hearted good-natured easy-going social young fellow lacking i believed in moral backbone i had never seen him tried to be sure his tastes did not run in the line of dissipation his friends did not happen to be of the stamp that led him astray and his reputation was therefore exceptionally good i believe in that word therefore i have put the hint of how the matter stood in my own mind i had not unwavering confidence in norman's self his virtues seemed to have happened around him creatures of circumstance rather than of choice based on conviction i remember as long ago as when he united with the church in company with a large number of young people just after a period of special religious interest it seemed to me rather that he came because all the boys in his set were coming than because he had taken firm foothold on the rock i had all along felt that little undertone of distrust not of his good intentions but of the soil on which they were growing he had been a boy who was easily persuaded to go sleigh-riding or rowing as the case might be on prayer-meeting evening if the other boys were going and almost equally easily persuaded that it was not just the thing to do if enough of the others thought not which little illustration just served to show his moral power imagine such a one the husband of my laura with her quick keen insight into all questions mental or moral i had small comfort in thinking that she would lead him for i believed that like all weak natures his was also an obstinate one 
it could take a position and maintain it stoutly against reason and common sense if the motive for doing so was sufficiently inviting besides i felt confident that laura was not a woman to lead her husband and live a happy life she was too strong-willed for that in the better sense of that word i felt sure that in order to respect him she must look up to him and believe in his superior strength then how in the name of wonder was she to be happy with the man of her choice over this problem her father and i grieved much after we settled to the mournful truth that she was unquestionably a woman at heart and that he was unquestionably the man of her choice at last it became apparent to us that it was to be done by shutting her eyes and assuring herself that the strength was there and that she might lean on it i hoped that she mercifully did not know her eyes were shut if she could always live in a state of real blindness as to norman's character provided my estimate of it were correct she might be a comparatively happy woman but there had in the past year been several little episodes like this hotel affair which had told me only too clearly that laura sometimes saw painful things even with closed eyes the temperance question had been one on which i believed that norman stood more squarely than on any other for the reason that his father had been a pioneer in that direction in the dark days of the struggle and norman had admired his father yet it will explain to you how little real confidence i had in the young man that after the first start of surprise i asked my husband simply who it was who had succeeded in persuading norman that very safe investments were made in hotel stock and that morally it was all right after all i don't think i have made this matter very plain you see you don't know norman eastlake if you did you would understand there was really no ground for complaint look at him outwardly from any standpoint that you chose he was unexceptionable and i was not sure any of the time but that the boy was a christian only a limping sort of one if he chanced among cripples and laura was not even that we could not appeal to her need for a higher type of christian manhood we could not appeal to anything and when we hesitated and urged there was nothing to argue that could be put into words save that she and he too for the matter of that were so very young we shall be growing older every day she said gravely people grow old fast enough and mamma i know you don't like norman that is you don't like him well enough to marry him that is plain i have seen it this long time but there is this to be said about it i do and i'm the one you know what could we answer so for more than a year it had been an understood thing in our family that laura was the promised wife of norman eastlake he was an orphan and was most unnecessarily wealthy there were always surplus funds coming in to torment him as to investment and it was probably to escape the bore of looking any further that he had become half owner in one of the princely hotels in the city where he was studying his profession laura's father had heard of it through his lawyer who had been engaged in the legal part of the business but directly he mentioned it 
I knew that Laura had heard it from Norman, and accepted it as the thing to do, or else Norman wouldn't have done it. Because of the example of Christian life thus kept before her, I had been surprised that Laura had espoused Mrs. Smith's peculiar views on many subjects so heartily. My conclusion had been that she believed the difference in them to be largely one of development, and that Norman would grow into what was now Mrs. Smith's daily life. This being the case, it was not difficult to understand what a shock the hotel enterprise had been to her. This was not development, surely. He had been pronounced enough on the entire temperance question when she saw him last, not exactly this phase of it, to be sure, and I believed that this would always be the difference between Laura's mind and Norman Eastlake's. Questions parallel to those already settled would by her be accepted as matters of course, while Norman would have to argue himself in or out of each new development, and would be likely to decide negatively about one and affirmatively about the other of two phases, which to Laura appeared as one and the same. I plainly saw that the problem which she had now set herself was to convince her heart and her conscience that in this new departure Norman was right and Mrs. Smith absurdly wrong. I knew it was not yet settled, because her irritation still continued in full force. She argued at length with Mary that our dear old lady might be very good, but she was narrow-minded. Of course she was, why should she not be? All her life experiences had tended to make her so. Also, this wise woman of nineteen was convinced that the woman of sixty-five did not understand herself. She had never been tried in a direction that would press home. Her children's graves, I ventured to hint, and the foolish child, who knew nothing about a mother's heart, said, yes, but that was long ago, and she had been so busy about her energetic life that she really had not time to miss them much, and she did not believe, anyway, that they had ever been to her what some daughters were to mothers. She had given all her heart to Solomon, and had none left for others. And certainly, for twenty years at least, she had not a ripple of personal trouble to disturb her. No wonder she was able to settle questions of conscience for all creation. I gave over trying to argue with Laura, what was the use? Nevertheless, it was she who, one evening, after Norman, in a new dressing-gown of most becoming pattern and grey slippers, the gift of a sister of one of his college friends, had lounged among us for two or three days, made a proposition that surprised me. "'Mama, I want Norman to make the acquaintance of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Suppose we go over there this evening for an hour.' They are original characters, Norman. You will enjoy studying them. And Norman gracefully declared that he could not conceive of himself as enjoying anything better than he did that easy chair with his feet on the hearth rug, and that delightful open grate fire to stare at, to say nothing of his companions. At the same time, he was ready to attend us to the ends of the earth if such was our pleasure. Mary was at this time much absorbed in a missionary entertainment that was being got up by the young ladies' band of our church, she being president of said band. 
on the evening in question there was a committee meeting and rehearsal at the other end of the town and her father had attended her thither and was to await her pleasure therefore i was thrown upon laura and norman for the evening at least laura chose to so consider me not being willing that her mother should sit alone while she entertained her guest in the parlour it was one of the pretty little ways in which my younger daughter differed from many young ladies of the present day i glanced up surprised at her suggestion she had not been to call on mrs smith since our return home nearly six weeks before and though of course we had long since dropped all discussion in regard to the matter i was aware that she had not grown reconciled to the old lady's tacit condemnation of norman's course i remember i wondered whether she had in mind an argument on the subject of temperance and temperance work and temperance fanaticism to be held in my neighbor's kitchen in the course of which the neighbor should find herself silenced and convinced by the brilliant logic of the young man whatever motive provoked the suggestion i was glad to receive it for i knew her absence and coldness had sadly hurt the heart of her true old friend who loved her dearly and with alacrity i laid aside my sewing assuring norman that we had a special treat in store for him if he really did not remember solomon smith and his wife i remember them perfectly he said in his cultured drawl which was growing upon him and which i used to wonder that laura with her quick ways and her clear-cut tones could endure i remember the queer old wagon in which they rode to town on market days and sundays it used to be associated in my juvenile mind with stories of the ark and i was always contriving how to stow away the animals i remember i decided that old solomon himself would do for an ape but i could never be sure whether i would have the old lady a species of monkey or whether she belonged to the cat kind she had a curious way of climbing over the wheel that suggested the feline tribe to me i hope he had not expected laura to laugh if he had he was disappointed they could not have been very old at that time was her sole comment oh they were i assure you they were always old as long ago as i can remember they were quoted from as we quote the wise sayings of the oldest inhabitants mrs leonard there is no reason why my knowledge of them should not be fresh and vivid in the letters which i have been receiving from a certain person this winter at least every third sentence began thus auntie smith says it took me weeks to determine where she had found a new aunt naturally i did not associate her with the days of solomon when light finally dawned upon me i spent some anxious moments in wondering whether laura also said uncle solomon and whether i should be expected to learn such a formidable name laura was all grave and the flush on her cheeks plainly showed me that she was tried by all this banter i think norman she said with dignity that the utmost tax your nerves will receive in that direction will be to say mr smith there was a somewhat marked emphasis on the mr whereat norman laughed and then we three proceeded to the little brown house in the hollow End of chapter 22